All right, folks, welcome to another edition of the Movie Fellas Podcast. Episode two of our Shilohan retrospective last week. We hit you with a sixth sense. And this week, we're going to see if the audience is unbreakable. No, the audience is very <laughs> Well, yeah. I guarantee you the audience was broken a long fucking time ago. Right around the time of the Troll 2 slash <laughs> rope opera doubleheader that we did. So, I mean, that one still has zero views. <laughs> this, you would think at least our audience in Nilbog would watch it, but not even those, <laughs> not even those fuckers will watch it. So no, because we we never said anything about their chicken nuggets. Yeah, that sponsorship money is on the way and got lost in the mail because they took it back once we fucked up and didn't do it properly. So it's bastards. That's yeah. all right. We're gonna get a zero sugar Mountain Dew sponsorship once you switch to zero sugar free Mountain Dew. You know what? If we get a sponsorship for zero sugar Mountain Dew, I'll start drinking it. I think what you'll probably do is you'll probably put the real Mandu in the sugar-free bottle and try to put the wool of the eye because they look exactly the same. They're both green and shit. So. And I'd be like, hey, how's that sugar-free Mandu? And you'd be like, oh, it's really good. <laughs> they do a good job with this sugar-free stuff, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Whatever. But Sounds anyway. like a good idea. Let's yeah. do it. So last week we both gave... Also, give me some hard Mountain Dew. I really want to try it. Bullshit. Get it in, Virginia. I just want to remind the audience, it's been one week, but just last week... We had an episode where Nick spent about an hour giving gl- nothing but glowing sentiments to the Sixth Sense before at the last second <laughs> giving it ultimately a two and a half star review. Because the, there's no rewatchability. The biggest travesty since his original review of Tremors, which go back in the archives, our very first episode, Tremors, see Nick's terrible predator thoughts that the Tremors, aliens, predators combination. No, that... The the graboids are tr- predator trimmers, predator worms, uh, and they are the pets of the predator. Okay. So I will say this. Two and a half stars for Nick really is like three stars for everybody else because the man has a very, very steep grading curve. I mean, if I could watch that movie over and over again, I probably would have given it three or three and a half. But I gave it a two and a half because there's really no rewatchability to it. And like I said, two and a half is still pretty respectable. And I feel better about past two and a half star reviews we've given now, except for Tremors, which clearly should have been three stars. But today we come back with Shilohan's sophomore effort, Unbreakable, which gives us also over the return of Bruce Willis. So continuing also our, our Bruce Willis retrospective, we have two back-to-back dramatic movies for Bruce Willis, who, let's be honest, usually cuts his cloth in action movies. Yeah, well, we got to meet... A different character first. Young, young, young. Very young. Elijah. Yes. Who uh, played by a uh, sort of known actor, um, Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't very known back then, but oh my eventually God. when he gets to snakes on a plane. Well, that's where he hit the peak, man. Oh, yeah. He was, then, he then was he slowly going down. All these movies from the 90s and early 2000s were all building up to that peak of Snakes on a plane. Yep. His best movie in the face of the earth because he was tired of the motherfucking snakes. On these motherfucking planes. Exactly. Fucking snakes. By the way, I've never seen that movie. What? Well, <laughs> all this. You know what? I'm sick of you saying shit and then contradicting shit. I'm, I'm in the same podcast. I was, I was too busy watching Shaft. Watch your mouth. <laughs> I'm only talking about Shaft. So we're going to like go into some brass tacks here. Spoilers, of course. Heavy spoilers. Elijah's an asshole. <laughs> Elijah's an asshole. Because, hey, again, it's been 20 years. If you haven't seen it, 
then that's your problem. And we know that Shyam is going to be expected to give us a great twist. And that twist is Elijah is the main villain. And he's two for two because these are both last week was a good twist. This is a good twist. Going forward now from here, the twists are going to start to be a little bit out there for his future movies. But actually, I can't remember. I need to rewatch it. But I don't think Signs had that big of a twist. It was a twist, but it was a very small. Is it the whole water thing? I don't want to spoil it for you if you don't remember it. I can't remember. Because if you watch it, you can actually take it in then for the first time. So. Right, yeah. Because um, yeah. I don't... Whatever. Anyway. So. We're not li- talking about signs. So. Unbreakable. So. <laughs> um, Elijah, we established, basically has a certain health problem. Yeah. I and- for- I'm not going to repeat what he says because it's... You know, I'm not a doctor. I can't say these big words. I don't know why doctors put these big words for these medical issues if they want people to be able to say, hey, I have this disease, so I can't do this. Say, well, what's the disease? I can't say it because I'm not a doctor. Well, well, let's just say the kids called him Mr. Glass. Yes, and that is because his bones are so brittle. By the way, he only has type 1 out of 4. Yeah, Hmm. people who have type 4 don't make it very long. Damn it. But yeah, their, their bones are actually so brittle that they break extremely easily. Yeah, that's going to be... And they don't make enough calcium to rebuild, apparently. And that's going to be a very tough life. And luckily for him, as a child, he falls in love with comic books. And that's going to be a big point of this movie is his love for comic books. Kind of, you can imagine him having a very tough childhood, but then escaping mentally through comic books. And that's shaping his whole perspective of what his life is going to be. But let's meet Mr. David Dunn, played by the one and only... Bruce Willis. Haley Joel... No, I mean Bruce Willis, of course. That'd be funny if the kid was back, though. But he's not back. <laughs> Even though that would be weird, what, only two years later? And he, somehow as tall as Bruce Willis? No, but he could easily play his son, though. Because, in fact, the kid they have looks like an older version of Haley Joel. Just a little bit, but now that I look at it, his face is a little bit more flatter yeah. than Haley. So... Uh, Anyways, David Dunn's on a train. Which he proves that his marriage in this movie is also <laughs> not in the best state of things when he takes off his ring to flirt with this one woman. Flirt well, with the woman that sits next you know, upon first watch, I thought, hey, maybe Shalem's going to pull a, pull a fast one here, and it's going to be the exact twist again. He's a ghost in this fucking movie, too. But it's already ruined when he's talking to people on the train and they can see him. So, And this woman lets him know, yeah, I'm married, and he's, a, and he's just... Stuttering like, oh yeah, yeah, and, uh, that's great. She I, goes, I'm I, leaving. I didn't feel like he crossed the line. I feel like they're talking. She's communicating, and he's just—he's being forward, but he's not being harassing to the point where she's like, you know, I'm gonna change my seat. It's like very uncomfortable. I mean, not harassing, but you could still, but um, you can still see that. By the way, that's Bruce fucking Willis. When that's John. He Blaine. pretty much when when she realizes that yes, he's flirting. Then she gets uncomfortable and leaves. And that's, that's I her guess character. Depe- depending on how long that train ride is, it makes sense. You don't want to sit next to the guy for the next three, four hours, however long the train ride yeah, is. Yeah, that would be awkward. But uh, you still also see his intent of what he wanted to, what he wanted from this woman the minute he takes off that wedding ring. Yep, and none of it's going to matter because the train's about to fucking crash and explode. And she dies. And everybody on the train dies. Except, Every- except for one man. Bruce Willis. Because he's unbreakable. No, technically two guys. Um, there was another guy who dies in the hospital. Yeah, but he, he did not die at the train. Cra- the, the, he, he, he did not die at the train. He crash. made the hospital, but now we have, as Shalem does, we have our mystery because, as the doctor tells Bruce Willis, you don't have a scratch on you. 
it starts asking him all these questions like he's the terrorist. Well, it is very suspect. You're the only survivor, and you're not even harmed. Right. Like, what would a doctor think? It's like, this goes against all the medical knowledge in the world. So, so we meet Audrey and Joseph, and, yeah, Audrey and David are definitely very distant from each other. So I'm going to be honest, and, again, it's not, don't, I know, don't, don't think that I'm just against marriage, <clears throat> but this is the second movie in a row where there's two and Shalem, these movies are very, very similar. Six Sense and Break One in terms of their format and the story and how the beats. And I'll go over the comparisons, but you see early on they're gonna have you have these two storylines going, basically him and his family, and then the storyline with him and Elijah. And again, the stuff with his wife in this movie, I have to say again, like it's just not that interesting. I just don't care about their marriage. So to be honest with you. I think the family points are weak points in this movie. This one, family is definitely weak points in my opinion because him and, absolutely. His, him, and, him and his son, I can get on board of those scenes, but him and his wife is like, okay, you've established they have problems. You don't have to beat us over the head without the entire movie. To be honest with you, I didn't even care about when he's with his son, and that's I, actually half the damn movie. I, I think the son's a good actor, and I think that it's, it's there because the way his son sees him helps him transform into a superhero because his son believes him believes in him that way basically i think helps his transformation <clears throat> which is fine and all but yeah if they would have i wish they would have gotten <clears throat> hold on <gasps> because you need who else would you have bruce willis interact with because he's not going to be able to interact with elijah that much no i'm fine so. with him interacting with his son but i wish they would have gotten a different actor see i didn't mind the kid actor <clears throat> now the problem is we just watched. We Haley just Joel. watched the best damn kid of ours. <laughs> so this kid's gonna come up short. But if you had watched New Nightmare and then watched this, you'd be like, "Hey, this kid's <clears> fucking <throat> great." <laughs> well, my also also here's another issue I have. After watching this movie, I really did feel like now this could be the fact that we established throughout the movie more through actions and expressions that Bruce Willis's character David is very depressed. Which makes him very dry. So, so warning to the audience, this movie is a very, 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 very slow burn movie. You have to have patience because this movie, I mean, Sixth Sense was pretty much the same way, I think, but Sixth Sense like had those kind of, again, whatever jump scares in the middle to kind of add some excitement. But, you, but also, I feel like Bruce Willis did better in that movie because he had more emotions to work with. This one, he, there's no emotion. Well, I think, but it, it has, it serves a story because he's supposed to be just lost and confused and depressed in this movie. In the, the other movie, he's, I mean, he's a ghost, so he has more purpose. <laughs> but, um, but this is one of those, this is one of those movies where I'm okay with it because you have to go through the process to get him from where he's at to where he's going to be. And he can't suddenly become a superhero. It has to be like process he has to mentally go through and it's more realistic than as a superhero movie the process it goes through that's probably how most actual superhero things would be versus them just getting powers in the first 10 minutes of the movie and then blah 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 this is a realistic superhero origin story so well <clears throat> how about we get this very cryptic message on his jeep or his truck whatever it is i don't know vehicles um you know if that happened to me and I think the question was something like, how many sick days have you taken? I'd have been like, 
Shit, I'm about to get fired. <laughs> I done taken so many sick days. My boss is fucking with me. He put this on the car. He about to fire me tomorrow. Well, I feel like that's what he thought because the first person he asked was the receptionist at his work. How many sick days have I taken? Can you ask Joe? Which he does. And then Joe comes back with, fine, you get a raise. $40 a week. It's like, whoa, what the hell is he making that he's being paid? What, is, he, is this a salary job? Because $40 a week for a salary job sucks. The only, the only problem I have with this, it's, it's kind of nitpicky, but okay. This first half of the movie is going to be the idea of like, hey, Elijah is going to be pointing out these things to get David to realize there's something special about you. David, let's say, is like a 45-year-old man in this movie, 40 years old, whatever. Anybody who's 40, 45 is going to have realized, hey, wait a minute. <clears throat> I don't get sick. The fact this has to be pointed out to him to me is not realistic because I get there's gonna be things that he has to get like he has to test his strength like that, but he's gonna have realized that hey I'm not like other people and they're they're making it seem like okay he has to be confronted with the idea that he's not like other people and I get that but nobody's gonna be like hey how many sick days have I taken I've taken no sick days you would have realized that you don't get sick right at, at 40 years old you would have like no you know about yourself. So we're, we're kind of led on a unrealistic thing of like him being like, hey, Elijah's right. I haven't taken any sick days. It's like, you already know that. Don't you? <laughs> you don't need Elijah to point that out. But it's, well, it's kind of nitpicky because we have to, they have to show that to the audience somehow. So I get it. But. Well, how about we meet Elijah for the first time, technically, as Samuel L. Jackson. Yep. Where he tells a guy to get the fuck out of his art gallery because he's selling art, not coloring books to be fair they're talking about like a very pristine rare edition and the dude what is it wants to give it to like his, his five-year-old or something four-year-old yeah i mean i get his point i mean it's like okay th- how people look at comic books like rare editions they keep those like in glass cases and you're not actually supposed to even read them you're supposed to have them on the wall and like you just look at it but the the, the, the four-year-old is gonna, gonna rip up the page appreciate that yeah now that said if if I'm Elijah, if the, the, if the guy's rich and is willing to pay like a million dollars for that, hey, whatever. You well, apparently, Elijah has, doesn't give a shit about money because the next thing he tells this guy is, get the fuck out. Yep. Hey, it's his business. He has, he has the right to do that. But I'm taking the money, but I understand that, you know, this dude is being an idiot. The guy's being an idiot being like, hey, for my four-year-old, I'm going to get like a rare edition comic book. That's just stupid. How does the four-year-old even know the difference? It's like if you want your four-year-old to get into comic books, you first have to get them a comic book. Yeah, it's like, go down the pawn shop right down the street. You, you can tell the store is set up like this is like in a, some kind of elite, rarity, rare collection. And with what he's wearing, he looks like a pimp, for one. Yeah, and so he's walking around with a glass cane. He does look like a pimp, for sure. I mean, every single time you see him, he's always wearing either all of one color. And it's always looks like, you know, obviously a suit, but he also wears that long coat that's the same damn color. He almost looks like just a tall cat Williams. Yeah. Without um, the funny. <clears throat> can we talk about the first meeting between Elijah, Bruce Willis, and the kid? So I feel like Bruce Willis should not have brought this kid. <laughs> this, because of this meeting, this kid does something that uh, I hope he got some form of punishment for. Oh, that's later on, though. I know what you're talking about, though. Yeah, I know. But still, this is one of the catalysts of why this kid does it. Well, here's the thing. I mean... Okay, there's two I mean, perspectives. He's an impressionable kid. Yeah, and, and, and listen, I mean, let's be honest. You have an adult and a kid, right? 
Then we told a story about, hey, maybe you're, maybe you're special, maybe you're a superhero, right? The kid is like, holy fuck, yeah, my dad's a superhero. This is amazing. And the dad's like, this is psychotic. This is weird. <laughs> Don't put this in my kid's head. So maybe irresponsible for Elijah to tell the kid that. Any, any kid's going to love that story. Well, irresponsible. Well, maybe not really Elijah because I still feel like it's also on David's head, head and shoulders too because he's the one who brought the damn kid. Yeah. Honestly, if you're bringing the kid to meet a guy you've never met, why? Understand that we need the kid for certain dramatic scenes to happen. Yeah. But I would not have brought my kid. I would have waited until my wife could take the kid, and then I go meet this person alone. Yeah. Because I also would not want this person to know I have a kid, even though he most likely already does. Yeah, that thing, too, is like... um if you're David, you have to be very suspect of Elijah, just like some random stranger coming into your life with all these theories and stuff. It is kind of weird. but So I wrote down that we need, should talk about the stadium scene because it's our first indicator of another power that David has. He has uh, almost like a, a hidden sense of something like... Uh, whatever bad a person has done. Yeah. almost Kind of like Ghost Rider, just without sucking out your soul. Yeah, and it's funny to think about, like, so, again, <clears throat> he knows already he has his power. That's not something you can just stumble upon and be like, hey. Yeah, because. Like, it's he, almost like he's in denial, but. Yeah, because also, he's even mentioned it to Elijah after it ha- after he brushed up against his one it, guy. It's, like, it's, it's, it's one thing to be like, hey, I think this, kid may, this guy may have a weapon. He guesses the exact gun <clears throat> that the guy has. Yeah. That's clearly not normal. It's like, oh, you had a feeling he had a weapon. No, I think he had this specific weapon mm-hmm. that I can describe to you. It's like, that that's pretty much a superpower, buddy. That's not, yeah, the, the, that's not your instincts there, buddy. Yeah, and I'm just, again, just sitting there thinking, as you, now that you brought it up, he's obviously had to have known that because, I mean, with him, a lot of the times he'll run up and just randomly like rub his hand against the person or just bump him. It, it's it's kind of like... Um, I feel like he does it on purpose too. It's funny because like you see most superhero origin stories, the main character is young, like a teenager or like a 21-year-old, like Peter Parker or whatever, right? But again, they're trying something very hard. They're saying, okay, we're taking like a 40-year-old guy who's been living for 40 years and we're trying to make him realize that he has superpowers. Not that something happens now. There's no event that happens, like a meter hits and he has powers now. We're saying he's always had these powers, but now 40, 40 years old, we want him to realize it. Again, usually they're young, and then something happens. Bitten by a spider. Some event happens, now they have powers. We're try- they're pushing, basically, he's already had the powers, now let's make him realize it. And that's where it's kind of like, okay, it's, it's realistic. It's a realistic movie, but it's like, Ah, It'd be more realistic. You, maybe you can't was... tell me this dude's been walking around not ever getting sick, having this super sense. But there's going to be one other thing that I think is almost like really pushes to the top in terms of being unbelievable. I can I can bring it up now if you want. It's a, it's a scene kind of in the middle here. We're talking about when he gets into that car accident? No, no. It's the weightlifting scene. Oh, yeah. So, okay. So, uh... I, I, I can't... Okay. I can buy to a small degree. You don't realize you've ever been sick. And then also, you have this thing, this power that you're chalking up to being just your instincts. But the weight suggests that you have 
superhuman strength. So this is also one scene I wanted to bring up because this scene started on my path of this kid should not have met Elijah. Because to be honest with you, if his dad was not a superhero, if his dad did not have this strength, this kid would have killed his dad. Yeah. Because there is absolutely no way that kid would have been able to spot that damn bar back off of his dad when he started putting those weights on. Well, but they do in a clever way, though. The way they do it is actually clever. I think Shalane thought about this because the way they do it is is that they do like five times, right? And each time they add a little bit more. So he does it easily, add a little bit more, still does it. If any of those like was like, it oh my God, I, I can't get it up. I mean, it, it was hard, but it was still... I was about to say, it wasn't easy. But Bruce it Willis' face was turning red. <laughs> but Yeah, but there was none of them that looked like where he's not going to do it, though. I don't know, but I, it's hard. Again, it's hard for me to buy that he's at 40 years old, almost like this is his first time weightlifting. He's like, hey... I have superhuman strength. Yeah, you'd think at some point he would have tried to find his one rep max so he can make a workout routine with that. I actually would have, I would have left that power out. I would have had, I would have gave him the instinct and give him the never been sick thing, but I, I wouldn't have added the superhuman strength. That's a little bit too much. And also you're making him like, whoa. Is he Superman? This dude is basically the best superhero ever. <coughs> like the powers you're giving him is like, not just one power, you're giving him like every amazing power. I would have left that scene out because I just I don't buy that so, he has superhuman strength. So. so a little bit before this, the workout scene, you know, Elijah chases him, and I just wanted to mention that he falls and breaks every damn bone in his body. Dude, I had second <laughs> secondhand pain watching this, and <laughs> I was I was like, no. And I'm just wondering if he purposely has that cane made out of glass because if that cane falls, he's falling. Which also means if that cane breaks, he most likely has broken a bone. I wonder if he uses that as the indicator that's for other people. That's very interesting. Because obviously he wouldn't know if he broke a bone, but if that cane falls and breaks, and he's like, <clears throat> what, maybe, what, or he has it just because so, it makes a loud noise when it shatters. What's so brutal is that the way he fell, like anybody would have broken their bones. Yeah, why but, was but, he walking so, down the stairs so weird? <laughs> I think it was something where it's like he just... He can't move properly, so the more obstacles like going downstairs, and then he's like in a, he's in a rush trying to catch the guy. But his damn art gallery has but like, steps going into it. But like me and you would have broken bones. So the idea that this person who has brittle bones is falling that way, I was like, Ooh. no, I'm sure I'm I'm pretty sure he's paralyzed for the rest of his life now, because he had to have broken a spine while at it. They say just his arms and legs, but th- there was a spine fracture somewhere. Yeah, and so I'm surprised he's not dead. <laughs> so it's so funny that in a way, it's like the, this is so similar to Sixth Sense in the way that you have Bruce Willis's character in both movies. The middle part is kind of like they don't believe, like he doesn't believe the kid, he doesn't believe Elijah, and then it kind of plays out the same exact way where something happens where he then becomes a believer of his of the powers. I think in this case, I'm pretty sure it's the. Um, the what is it what happens the security thing no 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 okay the one reason why i can't be this can't be true is because he had this accident when he was in college and that ended his football career right so it's a big disconnect because elijah's like well huh well clearly you were hurt there so that means that you can be hurt which after he talks to audrey he comes up with a new theory you weren't hurt you lied for love and Which, to be honest with you, with this 
I'm sorry. For some reason, it's a complete reverse for me. But with this yeah. woman, with this woman, um, you know why? Because you're thinking you'd have been the best football player of all time. No, for me, <laughs> superhuman strength. Good for this woman. I would not have faked an injury for. Sure, probably. Well, we don't. We don't see how good they were together in high school. Though. No, I mean, that's fair. If we saw that, maybe. But all we see is this really big disconnect. Yeah, you know how they're living. They're living like. They're living like they're how, literally living in like the different first, rooms. How like the couple was in Sixth Sense, except without him being the ghost. That's actually <sighs> how they really are as humans. Um, but they still had a scene of love in Sixth Sense. They don't have anything in this. <laughs> well, I think this is actually, I think this is a fault of Shalahem's writing. I don't think he writes good romance slash interaction between a man and a woman. Because yeah, Village definitely showed that. <laughs> <laughs> I think he I think he wants to have that element to his movies, but it's like he's much better with like the weird stuff. Like anytime uh Bruce was like interacting with the kid, amazing movie. Anytime Bruce interacts with Elijah, amazing movie. When it gets back gets back to the family stuff, the writing is not as sharp. So um, uh Elijah meets Audrey. I wanted to point that out there because now it's starting to seem like Elijah is purposely starting to go after this guy's family, not to hurt them. From from any from the outside view, and it's like, yo, this guy is like stalking his family mm-hmm. hardcore, and the audience, you kind of like at this point, you're on Elijah's side, but if you take a step back, you you understand David Dunn being like, stay away from my fucking family because, <laughs> like, you are, this is almost unforgivable. Like, you are talking to my wife about this stuff, like. And then, he, and even Audrey was getting the weird vibe that there's something not right about this guy, because during Boy. their session, he wasn't even worried about you know how to fix him. Granted, he's also broken so many bones; he probably knows the procedures by heart. But he's just wanting to know about it, this family that she apparently is very inclined to talk about. What I luckily for Elijah, and what we know later on, it just it works out. This movie works out very well for him because like. Everything he figures out happens to be right. All his theories are right. It's like you being like, hey, I think, you know, the Graboids are like aliens, and then that shit actually comes true. You're like, how the fuck did that? How did he get that right? Elijah in the movie comes up with all these theories, and he's always fucking right. (laughs) This dude does not get shit wrong. So now we get David deciding to try out his gift of instinct a little bit better, where he stands in the middle of the crowd. So you're talking about at the security, at the stadium? Yeah. He stands in front, in the middle of everybody, holds out his hands where he's filling up women, filling up <laughs> child abusers, and drug dealers played by Shalaham. He's got to have that acting cameo. Which, um, I want to mention the, the little cutscene we see of, you know, Shalaham putting the drugs in his pockets. Yep. You can clearly tell in that cut, that is a completely different jacket than what he is wearing when he gets up to the stadium. So when... Um, Bruce Willis pats him down and doesn't find anything. Yeah, you're not going to find shit in a wrong jacket. How did you not catch that? Was that intentional, though? I get the feeling it was intentional. I think because Shalaham is the director of this movie and the writer, he most likely wants to see himself as God so he can outsmart the instinct <laughs> guy. Oh, man. Well, the fact that he puts himself in the movie, there's no reason for him to be... Just cast the actor, motherfucker. Why do you have to have these cameos? But because he wants to be God, he wants to be his own Spike Lee. He's got to be writer slash director slash. He's got to be Spike actor. Lee. I mean, okay. They're not Spike Lee. Fuck. 
Oh, what? No, I'm, the, the guy who made the Marvel stuff. Stanley. Stanley. <laughs> it's got to be Stanley. Spike Lee and Stanley, those are two completely different people. You know, her, well, they both have Lee in the name. Oh, so maybe it might have been, maybe it was Bruce Lee, actually. Think about it. Come and think of it. Maybe it was Brandon Lee. Hey, Brandon, Brandon Lee came back to life. We got it. But Good. yeah, maybe Shalham sees himself as a god. So he outsmarted someone he should not have known would have been able to feel him up so he wouldn't have changed his fucking jacket. But you'd think Bruce Willis would have caught a haul along with that. Anyways. Unless, of course, it was a different day that he saw this. That's true, too. Maybe that day he didn't have the drugs, but he saw it from Well, yeah, we don't know if it's... Day. I don't even call them premonitions. We don't know if his visions are... We don't know how long, how long the premonitions go back to. Yeah. Do they go back a certain amount of time? Do they go back to when they did the actual event? Because... Honestly, we see that with plenty when, with the train station, all because obviously when he touches a woman, sees that here's the kid crying. Obviously, she's not hitting the kid right there. Right. <clears throat> okay, so. Oh, right, now do we get him admitting in the uh, the water thing? Yes. Well, actually. Well, no. Samuel Jackson's in the uh, comic book store. Mm-hmm. Also. Well. What, fuck, fuck near, what brings down Samuel L. Jackson is finding out that David actually did almost die. Yes. After he goes to school, the kid got into a fight. He finds out he almost died by drowning, which he tells Elijah, tells him, stay away from my family. And that gives Elijah a little five second depression state in a comic book store. Yep. And which Elijah better pay for these comics because he's going to jail. <laughs> right. Um, but he saves himself. He does. How much for this one? Because he figures out that, hey, every superhero has a weakness. Like, Superman has kryptonite. And, and that's it. Batman has no weakness. No. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> um, okay, so his weakness is water, which I have to say is a pretty weak weakness. I mean, every villain's going to have access to water. So, as we'll find out in future movies where a motherfucker gets drowned in a pool. <laughs> <laughs> those future movies don't count, but drown, canon. Drowned in a puddle, but, uh, yes, that's not canon. Um... So fuck, how, fuck, fuck you for glass, Shilohem. So, so, right. um, so let's get to the most egregious, fucked up scene, and I hope this kid got in trouble for it. Pulls a fucking gun on his dad. Because he's going to show to his dad that he is a superhero by shooting him. Hey, look, I mean, I'm telling you, man. His plan, not bad. But... So you think all kids should try to shoot their dads, show them they're superheroes? Because how name one son that does not at that age think of their dad as a superhero? Yeah, but in this case, he's right. His dad is a superhero. <laughs> the bullet would have flied right off. <laughs> you just caused like five dads to die right there. Oh my gosh! <laughs> look, look. Bruce Willis handles it. He talks him off the ledge. David Dunn says, you know, gets him out of there. But hey, this is the damage that Elijah has done to his family. <laughs> Well, yeah, and that's, again, I, as much as I do say punish a kid because obviously pulling out a gun is a no-no, David's got to take responsibility for that shit too because he's the one who took him to see Elijah, which got this well, shit in his head. Well, one thing they do show is they show this kid's really not that right. He's not right mentally because they also show him he got in a big fight at school too. Because, uh, because of the whole thing. About- so this kid has problems. He's not being raised properly because if you think about it, he's in a broken home. Yeah. Think about it, if he's walking around and he's seeing his parents in separate rooms and all that shit. So, so uh, they, 
And they're not saying this kid is like well balanced or mentally all there. He's has got issues. So. so now we get the scene where David calls Elijah and tells him, "I was not injured in that accident." After he has a flashback of the accident. Yeah, and so this is this parallels with me to Sixth Sense, where he's telling Cole basically, you know, hey, maybe the ghosts just want. It's like the revelation of like, okay, the ghosts just need help and. Hey, like, okay, you do have these powers, but you have the one weakness. And so it's like, he's kind of writing the same sort of, sort of format here pretty much in a way. So, um, and so now we get our train station scene where he's running into everybody. You first, you get a thief. No one gives a shit about her. Then you run into a guy who is racist, which he's about to go after him until he runs into the guy that literally killed a whole family well, killed two people in a family and kidnapped the kids. Let me just say that that scene of the dude coming to the dude's house. That's, I like your house. That scene is like <clears throat> creepier and scarier than anything in Sixth Sense. So the minute because the minute, that could actually fucking happen. Yeah, that is terrifying. Yeah. So the minute that guy would have told me I like your house, I would have been cool. Shut the door. Lock it. Well, that's why I think you the know, guy literally stands there looking at this guy's like, "What did you well, say?" Well, no, that 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 whole scene is a great case to be made of like, okay, you have the storm door, right? When you open your front door, you keep the storm door locked. You never open everything fully to talk to whoever's outside. Well, the guy didn't even open it fully. He just didn't have the. It wasn't. It wasn't locked though. The the guy from the outside would just open it basically. Well, to be honest with you, also when the guy on the outside tried to open it, instead of trying to pull back on the guy. What I would have done is, the minute he grabbed a hold of that doorknob, I would have just pushed right into him, for, hit him in the head, make him fall down the steps. He hits his head on the concrete. He dies. I get it, but you understand. That's that's so random that it's just probably just pure shock at that point. You open the door. Probably it's like a Tuesday morning. You're about to have your morning cereal, and some dude just forces himself in. You're like, what the fuck is going on? Like it's That's so quick and shocking. That scene was creepy and scary, <laughs> and the fact that he actually kills that guy. Yeah. I was like, God damn. But still, another thing the guy could have done is the minute he says, I like your house, shuts the door. Because his hand was still on the back door. He's like, close. Lock. I, I honestly. I mean, the guy still would have gotten in one way, but it still would have given you a chance to get yourself, your wife, and your kids out of that ambulance. I honestly, it's, you know, in 2022, here's how I feel, honestly. I honestly, I don't answer the door. <laughs> I, know, who does anymore? You look out the window, you see who's there. If there's a stranger there, there's no obligation. If it's like, okay, someone in a police uniform and you see a cop car, okay, maybe open the door because it's something serious. And then you see the cop car, so that's maybe somewhat sufficient evidence. But you see a random dude stand there, I may open the window and be like, hey, what do you want? But no, I'm so not opening the door. You, exactly. They're trying to sell wanna, me something probably. Never want to open the door for three reasons. Killers, COVID. And my very personal favorite to fuck with, mainly. Jehovah's Witness? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's someone trying to sell you something. Because like, literally, I mean, you, I open the door, Jehovah's Witness, do you believe in our Lord and Savior? It's like, do you believe a foot in your ass? <laughs> just like, um, listen, just call my phone, all right? Don't, <laughs> don't come to my house, all right? Um, anyways, but that scene's very creepy. So I guess what David's doing here, though, essentially is, He's, he's got to pick the worst crime he can find and solve that, basically, because he's only one person. He can, can't deal with everything. So Yeah, so he gets to the house. I'm going to mention this because it cracked me up because there's no way David Dunn 
after everything we found out about this guy, would have done this. So he gets to the house, gets up, uh, releases the kids, gets upstairs, look, and we get a really cool shot with the, the curtains. You know, a curtain going over his face and showing us the dead body, going the, over the, the dead or- body. Showing. The orange man coming. <clears throat> yeah. So the reason I say this scene cracked me up, though, is because David Dunn looks over at the dead body and shushes her. Wow. I'm like, I can clearly tell where I'm sitting and uh, on my couch, that is a dead body. Yep. You're telling me, someone who's not breathing, and I'm only getting very quick looks of this body. Someone who's able to stand there and stare at this body, you're telling me you can't tell that? It's pretty bad. And you shush it? Shush it. I died laughing. <laughs> I, I got to say, though, man, this whole sequence is by far the most exciting and best part of the movie. This whole fight scene with the criminal. Where he gets on top of him, gets him at a well, headlock, a really, well, really let, bad let, headlock. Well, let's say this. This movie has a better score even than Sixth Sense. This fucking music is epic as fuck. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I mean, I can't credit Shalem. He's not, one, he's, not, he's not the one making the music for these movies. But this, but he, whoever he hired, these movies are very well scored. I felt like the epicness just from the music and the score. So, the only um, reason I said there was a poor headlock, I know a lot of people equated this headlock. It was effective. It worked. <laughs> after a while, you want to know the best way to, that he could have done this? Because he gets behind him and gets him in that headlock. What he could have done. Snap his neck. Well, besides <laughs> yeah. that, I, I would have. Yeah. But when you do a headlock, you want to obviously put one arm around the throat, one arm behind the head, and as you bring your what the arm under the throat up, you bring the arm over his head down. Puts him to sleep real quick. Did he? Did he kill the guy? No. He okay. Just, he just put him to sleep. It was and, it was left kind of open there. Yeah, and the way I mentioned would not have killed him either. Or you can do what I believe some of the Marines do, which is essentially arm over and then put your wrist over your other wrist and then pull. But again, this feels exactly like the Haley Joe Osmond going to the funeral and now like, okay, I know what I need to do now and I'm going to test it out basically. This has the same exact feel there. Like the movies are so similar in how they're, they're formatted and stuff. This felt exactly like that. Like, okay, I've confirmed now that this is what I'm supposed to do with my powers. Um, also, yeah. Why would this guy who just killed a family go to work? He's still got to... <laughs> I, I was going to say he's got to pay rent, but not really. He's not paying rent when he's killed Squ- people just to stay in their house. Squatting in the house. Oh, he needs drug money, maybe. Yep. He's drugged up on something, man. Seriously. Um, so, now we get Elijah's mom describing our two types of villains, which we see in this movie. And if anyone's asking, well, where's the arch enemy? Um, well, that's Elijah, you dumbass. So let me say this, man. I got to be honest. When I first saw this movie, this fucking ending threw me for a loop. <laughs> because it's, not, it's, it's unlike other movies because they built up Elijah as such a sympathetic good guy almost. That when they dropped the bomb that 
he, he dropped mental illness. That he dropped the bomb. <laughs> well, he first he dropped the plane, then he caused a fire. So yeah, he probably dropped a bomb. It's such a brilliant idea. The idea that he's been killing all these people until he found somebody who would survive. Yeah, but and he, he actually and again, crazy enough. He was actually right. There was somebody who is actually superhuman. Yeah, and to be honest with you, it, this movie probably would not have worked without Samuel L. Jackson's performance in this movie. Oh, my movie. God. Dude, this is like... Especially for this scene, because you still feel for the guy, even though now you know, holy shit, he's a jackass. Well, again, the, the, that, the revelation combined with the facial expression of the two actors and the music makes this like a <clears throat> super epic scene where you have so many emotions because you see David Dunn's side. He's like, this fucking guy's a psycho. Well, not only but that, you see but... Samuel's side, too, because he's selling it like, hey, like, you know, you know his background. You, it makes sense why he would do that in a way. Well, not crazy. only that, but when you get David Dunn's side, you clearly see that he's distraught because now the man that he's considering a friend, he comes out to be his he just be talk, he biggest just talk, villain. He just talked to his mom, so he's got to be like, what the hell, man? Right. And, and also... It's so funny because, like, if you think about it on a deeper level, though, if Samuel Jackson doesn't do all that stuff, then David Dunn never becomes a hero because he never actually realizes what he is. So it's like that was all done for him to realize his powers, basically. Now, he has to save a lot of people to make up for the people that died for that. He has to save probably thousands of people to make up for the sacrifice of who died for him to become that which but that's got to be a lot on his conscience because he's got to think like this dude killed all these people to find me like that's he's he's going forward a lot of guilt of like oh which the uh little text boxes we get at the end does state that he does lead police to terrorist raids yeah so he does he probably does save that same amount of people plus yeah, and and I would say again, please do not watch the movie Glass because you don't want to see what happens to these two characters in future movies. And when you watch Split, just end it before you see them again. So, but anyways, my point was that even though I get that Sixth Sense, like the Holy Grail twist, I actually prefer... There's a lot of stuff about Sixth Sense I prefer to the Unbreakable, but I prefer the Unbreakable twist because I feel like it comes more out of nowhere and I feel like it means more than Bruce Willis being a ghost. So, <laughs> <laughs> But anyways... So, and very similar. Well, let's go into our categories. We'll talk. So categories, best performance. Easily Samuel Jackson. Oh, I thought you were going to say Audrey. I had to. Ref- Come on. I was going to say the kid just to get on your nerves. <laughs> <laughs> the kid is not top five kid performance, but he's definitely not in that Nightmare on Elm Street range either. Um, as I reflect on it, this is like, it's so rare that Samuel Jackson actually plays like such a unique specific character where you don't even think of Samuel Jackson, you just think of the character. Hell, he doesn't even say motherfucker once in this movie. Yeah, I gotta think even Samuel Jackson probably feels, even though his favorite movie he's done is actually Long Kiss Goodnight, <laughs> which we should definitely review because it's an amazing movie. But I gotta think even he probably thinks this is like one of his best works of his career. Because, yeah, you don't even think, you think Elijah, you don't even see Samuel Jackson by the movie. So I think it's one of the, one of the best Samuel Jackson performances probably of his career, honestly. Well, since uh, Samuel L. Jackson is mine, too, let's go to worst performances. <laughs> so, <laughs> man, I mean, you always want to give it to Shyland when he puts his fucking self in the movie because these unnecessary cameos are never good. Um, I'm going to give it to the dead body. 
because apparently the dead body was breathing enough for David Dunn to think she's alive to shush her. Yeah, there you go. Or I give it to David Dunn because he apparently thinks dead bodies need to be shushed. And he's still on Tizer as if she's freaking alive. I'm going to give it to the doctor that was uh, examining David at the beginning. Because the way he was talking was so like... Uh, so nonchalant. It's like, well, the reason he's like, why, I'm looking at you. Why are you framing it like, like an epic speech? He's like, and the reason I'm doing that, because that one over there, there's two survivors and soon to be one. He's saying it like he's in a play rehearsal. or He's like <laughs> fucking Shakespeare. Just like no doctor talks like that, like trying to deliver it all epically like that. Get out of here. <laughs> all right. So... Best scene. Again, for me, it's 100%. The ending. Um, for me, it's the fight scene with the, the convict dude. No, for me, it's the ending. But that's the ending, but the climax of the movie is definitely still his realization of what he can be, his powers. And the fact that in that scene, too, he almost drowns in the pool and picks himself up. He didn't Just, pick himself up. The damn kids helped him out. Yeah, but he survived water. <laughs> the, the point is... He defeated his weakness and realized his powers. He's still weak to water. You can't defeat your weakness. Well, he will, except in future movies where he (laughs) dies in a puddle. For me, it's the ending with Elijah because it's so powerful. The actors give such a great performance with Samuel L. Jackson finally coming out as Elijah, as what Elijah really is, and then seeing Bruce Willis just going distraught before turning, turning around. It's just an amazing, powerful scene for that ending. Oh, no, that's fair. I mean, I I even, I see this movie a lot of times and... I still get goosebumps. I, I, I every once in a while, I'll just go on YouTube and watch the ending <laughs> because I think the ending is such an epic ending. I'll, I'll watch that and, and I also... Um, yeah, I still get goosebumps. I, I actually, I, I, I download the score for this and Sixth Sense <laughs> and the scores for both of them are just amazing. Yep, so, um, uh, worst scene. The worst scene for me is, again, I... I hate to harp on this again, but all the scenes with him and his wife, I just don't connect with that side of the story. And again, because Shia Lam puts us in the middle of the story, but we don't see them happy and we don't see why they love each other or anything. We just are meant to care about them getting back together or whatever, but that part, the family side never connects. So for me, I've harped on it. I've mentioned it at least three times, maybe four. The gun. Oh, yeah, that's up there, too. That that gun scene is just... I think the kid's performance is good, though. He looks like he's, like, possess- just, he looks like he's possessed. I don't know why. I think it's just because the gun scene kind of pisses me off, because I already know. I don't think you, you don't like what he's doing, but if you look at his face, the kid's giving a great performance. Well, I'm not... Well, the performances are all great. Well, maybe except... Audrey. Um, <laughs> Damn it. You're supposed to defend the wife. <laughs> Not this time. Um, we don't get to ca- need, we don't need any reason to care for the wife in this movie. That's true. Uh, but still, just the gun scene, I don't know, rubs me the wrong way. It may, I, it's probably the fact that I know for a fact my dad would have beat the living fuck out of me. I'd probably be dead right now if I pulled a gun on him. I think I think it's the fact that even though nothing happens, the yeah, the the inference, the the idea that there's any situation where a son would pull a gun on his father and that's like forgiven, like the kid probably at that point needs to go to therapy or something. Also, there's a good and also at this point of the movie, on your first watch, you still don't know if he really is impervious to pain to 
injury or maybe he's just very lucked out. Yeah. Because if that kid would have pulled the trigger and his father died, how would that have went on his – that kid would be in a mental hospital for the rest of his life. I thought my dad was a superhero, so I shot him. The kid was smart. He shot him in the foot. Shot him in the baby toe. <laughs> oh, no. I do remember that. He goes, well, what if I'm not and I die? Don't worry. I'll shoot you where you're not going to die. Oh, yeah, there you go. Yes, I do remember the kid saying that. It's like, That's, hey, shoot him with the baby toe. Kid, you're like, what, five years old. You're not going to know where to hit. Well, listen, the thing is, like, again, what are the rules? If he's he's superhuman, right? But, like, if you shoot him in the toe, his, show gets, his toe gets blown off, right? <laughs> then he limps. Like, what are the rules? Like, Or better yet, if, the gu- if he does shoot him and the bullet ricochets, who's to say that ricochet doesn't go straight into the wife? That's Or always- back to the kid. That's the big concern, too. The kid really could have killed his mom or himself inadvertently if this guy really is Superman. It was an unco- It was Shia in these movies, man. I'll tell you what. This and, like, the stuttering teacher scene, he always has to have one completely doesn't fit the movie awkward, uncomfortable scene that, like, you could easily take out and wouldn't in any way hurt the movie. So this is, like, the... This is the that this is the stuttering scene for this movie. So yeah. So, oh, what would you like to change or you know change, eliminate, whatever? Well, I would I would eliminate the weightlifting scene because I think that's one superpower too many for David Dunn. The fact that he suddenly realizes, hey, I'm super strong. Like any man who's like 40 years old has had some situations where they were able they have a knowledge of how strong they are. There's no blind spot for 40 year old of like, hey, I'm actually 10 times stronger than I think I am. That, that's just, that's hard to believe. So I would take that out, still give him his other powers, but, um, and then of course, if I could, I would do something with the wife storyline. Just have them happily married. So to <laughs> be honest not? with you, I think I would have to change the wife storyline to actually be important to the story somehow. Because yeah, the kid is, is important to the story because... But at the same time, what if, what if we what if the wife is dead and he's just a single father? That would have made a lot more sense too. But his depression comes from hmm. His wife dies in the train accident. And he lives, so she dies. He has no scratch. So the guilt from the whole thing is like she's sitting right next to me. And then how the fuck did she die? And I'm and then to be honest with you, some of the scenes with the son. With the son, you know, after hearing Elijah talk, but has some resentment towards his father. So is actually trying to inadvertently either kill him or actually find out if he really is superhuman. His, his son is kind of mad at him because his son doesn't understand, like, why did mom die and you are Exactly. Fine. So the but weightlifting this gives scene, him, uh, yeah. So be honest, the weightlifting scene after the father, after David tells him to take some off, but he puts it on, makes a little bit more sense because he wants to punish him. But then the super strength comes in or the gun part where again, he wants a form of punishment for his father, for his mother dying. That would have made a lot more sense for some and, of these scenes. And we eliminate all the cringe scenes with the wife. And let's be honest, there's so many scenes of the father and son together. It almost feels like a single father <laughs> right. and son relationship. And anyways. it also would have made sense on why David would even take his son to meet Elijah in the first place. Yeah. Cause so, he has to. Yeah, Ooh, so, that's, that would make a much better movie. My God. Yeah. Can, can we get that, Shellaham? Um, no? Okay. That's too late now. It's 20 years ago. Yeah. And he's already unfortunately ruined the characters. Shamalama. The characters are all dead, by the way. So. <laughs> but it's not canon, so. Oh, uh, all right, so. I, since I haven't seen Glass, are they, is David even still married to Audrey or no? 
I don't think it's even brought up. <laughs> I, I've, a, I've, but his son's in there. I've, I've tried to black out the movie. I think it feels, again, like he's a single father in, in that, too. But I've tried to black it out since I've seen it. Uh, that movie doesn't exist. So, since this was my pick, I'll go first with final thoughts. So, you, well, you went first with Sixth Sense. <laughs> I thought you went first with Sixth Sense. No, you did. Because you gave it a three, and then I gave it a two and a half. Oh, fuck it right. <laughs> Damn it, man. Know your timelines. I'm going to clean up while you're giving your thoughts. Okay. So, for my thoughts on this movie, I did... I do enjoy the movie, though definitely Samuel L. Jackson is what, in my opinion, carried the movie for me. I know David's supposed to be depressed, but I'm just... But the dryness Bruce Willis gave for this movie was... Actually, kind of boring now that I watch it. The kid annoyed the hell out of me. And the and I defended it so much in Sixth Sense, but I cannot defend the wife storyline. I have to go off of the main. And we're given so many inconsistencies that makes no sense on with a 40-year-old man just now finding out about stuff. The score is great. The plot twist is good. I love the story. It's just I feel like there's some things that should have been done better or some things that should have been left out. Some things should have been added. So overall, I'm actually going to give this movie a two. Yeah. This is back of the Nick Arcana I know. Last week, giving out all the – or last couple weeks, giving out all the fucking high ratings and overrating – the fan and all and money well, train. I did not overrate the fan. I think the you gave fan it. Fan is an amazing. I think movie. you gave it three stars. I did. How? In what because world? Because that movie is golden. Tremors died for that. Just, just silly. <laughs> um, all right. You know, I gotta say, I'm gonna be a lot kinder than you on the on, on Unbreakable, um, because for one, I don't want to be a hypocrite. For one unique reason, I, I like the twist more, and I do find this movie. I don't know why. Maybe it's because of Samuel Jackson, but because of Samuel Jackson, I do find a lot more rewatchable than Sixth Sense. It's probably the fight scene. No, I, even though it's not really a fight scene. No, I don't know, man. Maybe maybe it's that, but I do find this to be much more rewatchable than Sixth Sense. I feel like I can watch Unbreakable on a regular basis and still be as as slow burn as it is. I enjoy the acting a lot, and I enjoy the story, and I think it's so unique for a superhero movie. The problem is, actually, this movie came out 20 years too early. It came out before the superhero craze. It was really ahead of its time. So um, there are some inconsistencies for sure. Um, it definitely, like I said, the idea that we as an audience have to see him realize he's a superhero, even though he's like 40 years old and he's always had these powers, eh, a little bit. But I understand why Bruce is so dry because that's kind of the character. But I think I got to... I gotta say, I think Samuel Jackson, kicking and screaming, drags this movie to three stars on his back. And because it's one of his best performances, like, I have to highly recommend it because if you like Samuel Jackson, you're gonna get a kick out of, out of his performance. And the ending, I think the ending in Samuel Jackson, for me, drags to three stars, but also because I actually do find it more rewatchable than Sixth Sense. So it's like, maybe Sixth Sense is technically a better movie, but like, if, like, say, in the next 10 years, if you said, which one do you want to watch again? I'd watch Unbreakable again instead of Sixth Sense. And that, I can't rank it lower than Sixth Sense for that reason. So I have to also give it three stars. Um, but I'm pretty sure it's almost going to be downhill from here for Shyam. Something tells me he probably would give Last Airbender three stars. Hell no. 
Uh, eventually, we'll watch signs, but not right away. We'll wait for a sign. Yeah. But I don't think that sign's coming. Yeah, maybe not for... We'll watch it after Earth. Or maybe Mo Gibson's birthday. One of the two. Have a good night. Take care. Don't listen to Vic when he says honey mustard. Hot mustard. Unless you're going to Wendy's, then yeah, honey mustard. Chick-fil-A sauce. Yes. Peace out! I have a 16-ounce bottle. I hate you. Ha, 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 ha.